All right, ladies and gentlemen, you saw it teased on Twitter. He needs no introduction. If you're a Flames fan, you know who this is. It's Ryan Leslie sitting down with the guys at Offside. Ryan, how is the day treating you, sir? Guys, it's uh, early here, but it's good. Uh, it's game day. Uh, Flames, Leafs. It's at the time of this recording, anyhow. It's just after 8 o'clock, and uh, yeah, we're just kind of getting ready. I don't have to do much tonight for this game. I'm not doing this one, oddly enough, but I'm uh, going to settle in and and watch this one, and we got uh, we uh, got some Zoom calls where we hear from the players here coming up. So it's a pretty easy going Monday or uh, Wednesday for me yeah. at this point. Well, that's never a bad thing, you know. Kick back and relax yeah. and watch what goes on around you. Um, to start this off, obviously, what I want to ask you, you know, Sidney Crosby played his 1,000th game. Obviously, everybody has a memory. What is one for you, Ryan, with Sidney Crosby that comes to the front of the mind that's a, a fun memory or something that you know that maybe somebody else wouldn't know? Well, I think most Canadians, you know, know about his accomplishments and how special of a player and a person that he is. And I'll maybe just give you a, maybe not necessarily a memory, but my impression of him that that I think is what some of us in the media side of things really know to be true. Sidney Crosby gets it. He gets it at every level. And to say, you know, he's spectacular on the ice is, is an understatement. But off the ice, he just knows. He just has a way. Um, if you need him, he's all in. He's engaged. He's He'll stick around. And, and it's the little things. He is the complete hockey example. Uh, and I don't even know if I'm doing it justice. But anytime I've ever interviewed him, Anytime I've ever needed anything uh, from his availability to some time to him to play along with whatever, he just gets it. He's engaged. He's all in. And you think about how many different directions he's pulled. And this kind of, we all know about the Golden Goal. We all know about the Thousand Games. We know about the Stanley Cups. Um, But I think for me, it's just who he is. And he embodies just professionalism, uh, class, uh, an understanding. He's just the most well-rounded athlete, I think, that I've been around. And, you know, I've had opportunities to interview a lot of guys in this game and in other sports. And I, I would suggest to you that Sidney Crosby is the example of how I would want uh, my son or daughter to handle themselves in any situation where it's about who they are, how they come off to somebody, how they conduct themselves. And, you know, a lot of these guys um, could, could really take a note from him. And, you know, I always think it's just so simple, but, you know, you're interviewing him and we're on, and a lot of guys would just say thanks and walk away. Well, he says thanks and stays with you. Uh, he's very polite. He's very uh, professional. And I just think for me, as per your question, maybe something that people don't know, and I don't think anybody would be surprised by hearing this, but, that's just who he is, and that to me goes a long way because it, it goes beyond the sound bite, it goes beyond the uh, the goals, the assists. It's just the way he is and who he is, and I'll always sort of regard him as as the standard for how to be. Well, a lot of people look at it like that, and a lot of people emulate themselves off of Crosby. And you know, he's the gold standard when you say, you know, this is how you want to project yourself not only to the media, but to fans and to sponsors and to everyone because he carries himself in a high regard. And I'll follow that question up, Ryan. You look at Sidney Crosby and not say he's doing it anytime soon, but when he does call it a career, do you see this guy who lives and breathes hockey, 
do you see him back in the game uh, being a coach, a GM at the helm of Team Canada? Do you see him sticking around, or, or is he a guy that you see maybe hanging it up and saying, hey, I'm going to go play golf and figure something else out? That's a really good question. I, I don't know if I have a feel for that yet. My first reaction would be to that I would maybe be surprised if he were to be a coach. I, I could see him in the mold of a Mario, in, in ownership. Um, I could see him as a type of ambassador for the game. Um, I know certain legends have dipped a toe into coaching, um, but I can see him being okay, not necessarily on the day-to-day grind. It's hard, guys, and it's a grind. And when coaches get whacked and you know teams don't perform and legacies are tarnished, I'm not so sure that Sydney is necessarily concerned about that. But I just think the way he conducts himself, it might be, I don't know if, if he would need that. I I could be completely wrong on this. I, I don't know him. I just know, you know, on the, I don't know, 10 times I've been around him, um, that's just my impression. And uh, I just think that he, uh, he might just sort of have a higher, like I just love the way Mario's done it. And I wonder if he follows in those footsteps. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's a different time now, right? Like, who knows what what these guys will get into post hockey? But uh, I just I would be surprised, and fully willing to admit I'm, I could be wrong, but I would be surprised if he was behind the bench grinding it out uh, with today's players uh, <laughs> when he's all done. I, I would just be surprised. There's just a few things that come to my mind when I think about him. I think about the uh, the attention to detail with face-offs and things like that and always wanting to be better. But then also working with teammates to do the same thing and bringing guys along and just the way that he sees the game. I could see him being at the helm of like a Hockey Canada, putting together Olympic teams or you know those kind of things. And then, like you said, being an ambassador kind of like Wayne Gretzky, just being in the game but not the everyday minutia of it. He can be and pick and choose his events, pick and choose where he is because he's Sidney Crosby. And no matter what event he's attached to, it's going to draw fanfare. And everybody wants to see him now, and everybody will want to see him then, much like Gretzky still holds that regard. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, that's a really good idea and, and quite possible. Um, and it, it allows him to be a part of something either annually or, you know, if it was Olympic-wise. But, yeah, that Hockey Canada tie-in seems like a natural fit. And, yeah, it certainly wouldn't surprise me the way they feel about him and the way he feels about them. No, for sure. Well, we'll switch the uh, the temperature here, and I want to ask you about the Calgary Flames, and we'll use that word. Uh, what was the temperature going into the Leafs game before they won 3 nothing? Tip of the cap to the Flames for taking a team that was on the ropes and beating them. But what was the temperature before that game, and what is it now after that? Is it calmed down a little bit? But I know going in, the the pitchforks were starting to get a little sharpened, I think. Yeah, oh, for sure. This is, uh, temperature is a good word. I can tell you it was running hot, and uh, that might describe the GM. That might describe the players. Um, and, and it's fair. It's accurate. Uh, this thing was, as I said, on a Toronto radio show, you know, they're heading towards a cliff, right? They have time to turn this thing around, or do they just go right over? Because it's bad. It was bad. Uh, it's crazy what a 3 nothing win can do. Um, but this thing was starting to really go sideways. And, and I'm not saying they're out of the woods by any stretch just because of a win, but this is a group that seemed fragile. And I want to see what kind of response they get 
you know, ahead of the next uh, game against the Leafs tonight, and then going into Ottawa on Thursday and uh, for for a few. But this is one where, you know, I don't know if there's one place to assign blame. This is spread around a little bit, you know. Bringing in a new coach, does that fix it? I don't think so. Um, the players have to look within themselves. Uh, the players have to solve this. The coaches have to solve this. And it's a matter of just kind of getting things done because it's a, it's a new world right now. New teammates, tough to to bond. Young guys, tough to kind of get together with the guys and and, uh, and put a loss or a bad performance behind them. They can't hang out. They can't do anything. Yeah. And so you're going to see certain teams across this league who might get in a bit of a funk, and I don't know how they're going to dig out of it because there's no opportunity to go for the beers and the dinner and the laughs and just kind of make, you know, pull each other up again. You just can't do that. You can have dinner in one room, uh, in, the, in the team meal room, and then that's it. It's not glamorous on the road. It's not uh, the place now where you can bond and galvanize your group. You just can't. So this is kind of a a human experiment, if you will, the way this whole thing's going. But for Calgary, uh, we'll see if they can dig themselves out of this. Um, but it's it's it was bad, and uh, I'm not going to candy coat it or sugar coat it here. It, it's a bad spot for a group to be in, where they're second guessing one another, coaches' decisions, um, and and just not getting results. And then on top of it, it's compounded, as you guys know. Like, you, let's say you get a great performance from a goaltender, and then. A, you know, he bails you out, and, and these guys don't respond, and then nobody's there when he has a bad night. And it just kind of has been snowballing, and uh, a win will go a long way. We'll see now. They've got to get some momentum going. I think everybody's just kind of looking at it, at least in this market, is okay. Leafs had a bunch of guys out of their lineup for that win. Um, they'll take the win gladly pretty dangerous team over they still had Matthews and Marner in that lineup the last time I checked but yep. uh, now, now you got to do it again and we'll see well one thing that uh for me, and I'll say this right off the bat, just in case you haven't heard it, I picked the Calgary Flames before the season, and even as the season was starting, to lead this division. I thought they were going to run away with it myself. Adding a guy like Markstrom, because goaltending was their Achilles heel for a while, a heart and soul guy like Tanev, I really thought the additions would have put this team over the top, and guys like Goudreau and guys like Monaghan would see those additions and be like, hey, management went out and addressed the needs that we needed. Because you look back on the Blue Jays, and I use them as an example all the time, when management didn't go out and get players to add to that roster, guys like Jansen and Batista and that were there forever, you know, looked at it like, hey, they don't care, you know, that we're doing well. They don't care that we're making a push here. They didn't get anyone to help us. You know, when I look at Monaghan and Goodrow and, you know, core players on that team, they see a goaltender now come in like Markstrom, who's supposed to be a rock. And then you see a guy like Tanev, like I said, heart and soul. You look at it and say, mm-hmm. okay, they've added players that, you know, will help us, will get us over the hump, the things that we needed, you know, and I thought that would recharge these guys and and make that push. But, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe this core, and I'll ask you, Ryan, because you're around the team, do you think the core group of the players that are there at Calgary, I'm not talking about Markstrom and Tanev right yet, but guys like Goodrow, guys like Monaghan, guys like Giordano, um, do you think it's time maybe one of these core pieces are moved to shock the system? Yes. I do, and it's uh, something that is talked about in this market daily, and it's uh, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's not a 
indictment of those players and nope. if they're good or bad or or a problem. That's not the case. It's nope. just time to trot something different out. Not for the sake of different, but in the idea that you're trying to get different results. And these guys are great players. Sean Monahan's a 30-goal scorer. Johnny Gaudreau is a 99-point guy. Whether or not he gets back to that, we can debate all day. But yep. these are players, and these are pieces. Um, you know, Matthew Pachuk has been very critical on his ineffectiveness of late. Scored a goal. Things are starting to feel a little bit better for him. Um, you know, Sam Bennett is uh, a tough hombre, but he's he needs a change of scenery at some point because it's just not working, and he's made it known. Yeah. So Brad Living's in a spot, and I know Brad real well, and I know that he's going to make sure he makes the best moves for his hockey club, and that's not just because the player says, I want to get traded. There's got to be a market. He's got to get value, and he's got to improve this team. And if it means being patient or if it means striking the very moment there's an opportunity to get the best value, he'll do it. He's tireless. He is relentless. Uh, the phone is glued to his ear. And uh, this is a guy who's going to grind it out because he is committed to bettering the club. He's not afraid. He went out and got that goaltend. Went out and got that defenseman tent. Robbed his rivals of key pieces. So I think... While fans run hot on Twitter and elsewhere about fire this guy, fire this guy, trade this guy, that sounds great, but they're not coming up with a scenario he hasn't thought of and isn't gauging. And, you know, I think it is time to shuffle the deck a little bit, if you will, on a couple of pieces who have been here a while without the results, it, the, the desired results that they want in the postseason. And we're still talking, we've still got over a quarter of the way into this season, but you got to get moving here. Yeah. And the players have to get moving. The trade deadline, the month and change away or less. I, I don't know what they were at. But, yeah, it's it's coming up. And regardless of what you do with Johnny Gaudreau or Sean Monahan or Sam Bennett or Mark Giordano, these are proud players. These are good players. But are they the right players here? And, you know, I guess if you're just point blank, and I know these guys real well, they're good people, they're good players. You've got to get results, and the time for the silver linings is over around here, and you've got to take a step. Can these guys do it? If you don't believe they can, you got to you got to make a move. Well, I want to ask you the question. You look at Sam Bennett, and the news got out that he wanted to trade. Does that handcuff a GM? You know, because now teams know that a guy wants out. You know, and teams will yeah. sit and wait. You know, for that deal. Hey, you know what? He wants out. You got to trade him. Here's what we're going to offer. We're not going to up it. And then it just becomes that stalemate. Right now, it looks like Sam Bennett, you know, after that last game, everything looks a little bit more like roses. But if it starts to go south again, then what do you do if you're true living? That got out, and now you know this player wants to leave. That definitely handcuffs the GM into not making a move, but maybe not getting the value that he hoped for a player. Oh, for sure. And that's that's the frustrating part about leaks and agents and players and and the way this whole thing works it's great for the fan because you start to get the info all the time nobody yeah. wants surprise trades we love to bat it around don't we and, and <laughs> talk about the rumors and what the potential is but yeah when you're in the hot seat oh man like the last thing you want is for somebody to break that a player wants to change the scenery because listen if, if we're hearing about it chances are they've been dealing with it for a while and for you know, anybody to come right out and 
and and spoil that. It's just it, I get it. It's our business. It's our job. You have to do these things. Uh, but boy, does it ever handcuff the GM um, when it comes to fair value. So you know, certain guys have certain uh, other you know fellow GMs that they are going to deal with. And, it's not like these guys are like, oh, sharpening their blades and their knives is what the idea that, oh, we can go get it for nothing. It's not quite that way. But, yeah, you, you get the sense that uh, that it's uh, it's going to piss a GM off when, when this stuff gets out there because he's likely working on something ahead of us finding out about it. Well, listen, a guy like Sam Bennett, you look back last year at the Tampa Bay Lightning, what they added to their roster to get them over the top and a Barclay Goodrow and a Blake Coleman – I compare the prices to that. That is what Sam Bennett will cost you. Um, you know, Barclay Goodrow went for a first-round pick, so that's what I'm seeing Sam Bennett going for. That type of player, would you ever think that Barclay Goodrow or Blake Coleman would have fetched you those prices? But no, those players then propelled the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning over the cup and were key pieces. So now the, the market oh, is yeah. set. So Sam Bennett, already, there already is a market. So, I mean... That's what True Living can lean on a little bit more and say, well, this is what was for these guys. He's the same ilk of player. You know, he doesn't mess around. He's a hard-nosed guy on the ice. He can score for you. He's a battler in the playoffs. That's what teams want. So th- it's going to be a premium. I don't think anybody's going to get away with saying, well, I'm going to give you a fourth-round pick and we'll call it a day. That's not happening. And Tree Living wouldn't do well, it anyways. I just, I'm, I'm just going to tell you that the market, I don't know if it's ever set in terms of the only way it's ever set, really, is when you go to say arbitration or contract talks, that and you start doing your comparables. But there's holes in every theory. You know, Sam Bennett's not those guys. Sam Bennett, oh, you can argue he's a fourth overall pick. Well, then you argue how oh, he takes some questionable penalties in the offensive zone. Okay, well, he's look at his numbers here. Oh, wait, that's not working great. Well, he's got potential. You know, so you know, there's the market and the bar is always moving, and it's that's what makes it so challenging. Um, and then it's about what teams, who needs what. You know, yeah. Tampa had to add some pieces because they were going all in. Well, that's only one of, let's call it, ten teams who are realistically that close. And actually, that's not even fair. Just let's call five teams who are realistically believe that they're that close to what you can mortgage. So the, the market is always changing. I don't believe it's ever set. You just know if there is one or not by whether or not you're on the phone with other GMs. <laughs> And if they're calling you, I mean, everybody calls the check-in, and True Living's no different. Um, so players are going to, rather GMs are going to hear about things, and, and they're going to check in when they hear about it. But that doesn't mean it's, uh, you know, they're just doing the due diligence. Kicking tires is what they do. So oh, yeah, no, that's... I just, I, I don't know what the market is right now for Sam Bennett, Gaudreau, Monaghan. <laughs> I don't think it's as strong as anybody would like, at least in this market. Certainly, most importantly, or what your living would like, or else I'm sure things would have happened by now. Um, but he's also got to allow his team to kind of dig out. These players have to play themselves into, you want out of here? Or if, if you know, you think you want to be traded, play like it. You don't like what's happening? Play better. Yeah. And that's a simple, I mean, we all know a coach that said that to us. Oh, you don't like your ice time? Play better. You don't like how much court time you, be better. Yeah. So it's not like... Uh, this is a new group. Like, look at Johnny Gaudreau. There's a great example. I don't know if he, uh, you know, I get the sense that he's very happy in Calgary, but he's playing like they're used to, and he's playing maybe even better. He's adding another wrinkle to his game, defensive zone starts, uh, 
you know, better defensive play. And I think you guys remember Stevie Y. He had to do that in order to become elite. Yeah, you got to take that we'll next step. What, uh, yeah, good players have to add that defensive game to their uh, repertoire or else they just stay one way. And the, the true greats, I shouldn't say all of them. Uh, there's a lot of greats who didn't do that. But, but certain ones you can point your finger at and go, remember when he was just this player and then he became this complete player? Well, you know, and if a guy wants out, play like it. So we'll see. But uh, True Living needs all of his guys firing, especially on this pivotal road trip. We'll see what happens at the end of it. No, well, you use the word firing there, and there's one. Uh, we talked about Ward for a couple moments there just a few minutes back, and now I want to ask you um, if, for whatever reason, this road trip doesn't go to plan. Um, you said, you know, firing the coach probably isn't the way this this works, but obviously GMs go through whatever bullets they have in the chamber, you know, before they make trades and everything. If this goes south, do you see – the Calgary Flames making a coaching change or is it already set in stone that's not happening I know we just said things aren't set in stone but as yeah. far as the coach goes do you think he stays throughout the turbulence well really hard to say not trying to duck the question but there's always more elements to it keep in mind in True Living's tenure here he's had Bob Hartley Glenn Gullitson Bill Peters and now uh, Jeff Ward so did he at any point get the coach he wanted yes he did. Uh, did he have to let guys go? Yes. Does an organization believe in uh, in paying coaches and players to go away? Not many. Not many like doing that. Um, wait, we're paying him over a million bucks to not coach our team? Yeah. Well, that doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. Sometimes you have to do it. But uh, <laughs> last time I checked, uh, there's no fans coming into the building. There's not a lot of revenue. And owners don't like spending money needlessly so there are a lot of elements that go into this and it's not just to shock the system and think about how hard it is to make a trade now boys when you think okay you've got cross-border issues the one the one division that's really going to get hooped is the north division because if you're trading a guy to the states well, anything you're getting back has to sit at this point for two weeks in quarantine. Now, there's ways around it, I'm sure, in the near future, but you're not getting value right away. So, you know, just making these things just happen, as we think in traditional times, it's not that simple. And I just don't know, uh, to your original question about Ward, I just signed a deal. Um, I think it's still very possible that if it doesn't happen... He could face, you know, the idea of unemployment. But um, I don't know as though that anything's a lock. I mean, everything is still very much on the table. Keeping them around? For sure. Why wouldn't we? I know teams go through losses. Yep. Uh, but if it continues, do we have to make a change? Quite possible. I, it's not that uh, there's just no simple solution right away at this point because, you know, this road trip is ongoing. Um, you've got to see what this team does. If it goes sideways, do I think he's in trouble? Yes, I do. Yeah. Well, I look at it like this, and then I'll ask you this. Obviously, Muzzin got hurt. So you look at the situation where Muzzin flips the puck at the Chuck, and for whatever reason, it got out there was a meeting afterwards, and you know things were said. And apparently, the gist of what I got by listening to Elliot Friedman talk about it was they didn't want to Chuck to make a, a scene every game when something happens. 
And he was a little upset from what was said that nobody kind of came to his aid and defended him when those things were going on. Uh, I want to ask you just about that situation and how big a deal was it? That little puck flip. We know Muzzin likes to get under people's skin. We know Tuchuk has a history with guys like Dowdy and Cassian, you know, and there's those things that happen on the ice. But was it bigger than that when that situation happened within the Calgary Flames? Because it seemed like it was, and I don't know if it was just the media blowing something up, and you'll be uh, able to put a thermometer on that more than we would, but it looked Mm -hmm. like it was more than just a puck flip. It looked like there was a little bit of disjointedness between the Flames to Chuck and then everyone involved. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and I know the situation pretty well there. That that wasn't about Muzzin, and that's why I always laugh. You know, the Toronto media kind of blowing it out. Of, oh, the Flames haven't been the same since Muzzin did that. Oh, it, that Kachuk eats pucks for a living, and he's the first to insult guys or, or get under their nerves or do those little antics. That doesn't bother him. But I think I think there's some legitimacy to the idea that, um, you know, he... he he gets himself in a lot of battles right to the end, the final whistle in the third period. And I, I kind of side with him on that one because it's still the National Hockey League. you still got to dig in. you still got to uh, get under guy's skin. Now, are they players tired of jumping in? Well, I hope not because you know what I want? you more tired of, tired of losing. Yeah. So that to me is, is part of the game that maybe – Let's just call a spade a spade. It isn't there in this, the game anymore. This is a different era. It's a different age. We don't see a lot of the same stuff anymore that we knew to love about this game. And we grew up loving about this game. It's, it's a different game. And um, I, I still have no problem with the grit and the BS that goes on. Uh, I, I still love that. That's maybe more an indication of how old I am. But you just don't see it the way we used to see it. And Kachuk is a throwback. And I know he wants to win, but I can also understand that sometimes it's like, oh, you got to pick your spots. I think he's pretty calculated. One of the smarter players I've ever been around in this game, especially at a young age. So I think the idea that they had to kind of have a conversation is legit. I think, uh, you know, frustration on his end and their end was legit. I don't know if it's a him versus them because it's not. No, uh, there definitely. are a lot of guys who understand that he throws everything he has most nights at you know on the line on most nights. So I think it's just a matter of they needed to kind of have a conversation, and and I think they did, and we'll see what it resulted in. Talk is one thing, though, isn't it, boys? And then oh yeah, you know, going out and doing it and getting your rear end handed to you at 7-1 at the Oilers, that, that's another thing. So you can say and intend for all the right things, and then you run into, you know, one of the best players in the world, and that kind of <laughs> they shove it right down your throat. That's not exactly uh, the kind of result you want after some some soul-searching. Well, in terms of, uh, you know, the Calgary Flames, here's the cure-all. You know, winning cures everything, right? So you start winning games, and all of the negative media goes away. You start winning games, and, you know, the attitude around the team changes. Guys are happier. You know, the trade rumblings are a little less. You know, so all of those things start to change once you start winning games. And a team that has won some games this season and done pretty well, I didn't have them atop the division, even though I'm a Leafs fan, and this is a Leafs podcast. This is a Toronto Maple Leafs. And Ryan, I want to get wait your... a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> this is a Leafs podcast. 
little leaf centric. Oh yeah. I was told this is a maritime podcast. <laughs> we're we're from at, the Maritimes. Uh, look at the time. I gotta get going here. <laughs> well, listen. Wow. I want to ask your honest opinion though on the Toronto Maple Leafs as a whole. You look at this squad, and a lot of people before the season started said it's great to add these names like Thornton and Simmons and Bogosian, but really, what are they going to add of value to the team? They look slower. They look older. Uh, will they be more battle-tested in the playoffs? Possibly. Who knows? Freddie's in a contract year. How does he play under stress of wanting a new deal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm wondering for you, what do you think of the Leafs so far this season? What is your opinion before we jump into the Montreal stuff? Wow. Well, uh, they added some, some character pieces. Yes, they added some older pieces. And before, you and your little Leaf Nation with your pajamas on and taking photos <laughs> of your leaf bed sheets and everything. Um, you were ticked off about the group before, and, you know, there are a bunch of young guys running around without leadership. And, you know, you added, you added a guy like Joe Thornton who's all about accountability. Yep. Um, you know, young guys can't take shifts off. And then you've got a, the fact that the group's a year older, so you got a little bit more maturity. you got a little bit more development. you got Austin Matthews taking his game to a new level. Mitch Marner is dangerous, but he's got to add a little bit something intangible to his game. But you've got some older guys there, Jason Spezza, and you mentioned Bogosian and Wayne Simmons. There's accountability for once in that locker room. Um, he also added a guy like T.J. Brody who's going to just be kind of quiet and a seamless fit. And, you know, he's going to make some good plays, he's going to make some bad plays, but, you know, there's, he's not exactly old either. No. Um, so you've got some guys who played in this league. So it's not just young guys running wild thinking that this is the, how we're going to run the show, this is the room, and this is how it's done when they don't really know. There's still a place for experience in the game, on the ice and in the media. You still need experience, and it's important. And whether or not it's as fast or as dynamic or as offensive as the other guys, there's, I'm a big believer that they added some accountability there, and that's never a bad thing. So, I mean, could they improve the blue line? Does Willie Nylander need to figure it out? Is the goaltending situation got to be? Sure. But every team's having these conversations. Yep. What can you do? Because it's hard to get everything. And when you do, then you're the Tampa Bay Lightning. And now look at some of the setbacks. But some of the commitments, you know, they had to go all in with certain things. And now you pay the price a little bit. Um, injuries or, you know, contracts or what have you. But at some point, you work to the point where you got to go all in. The Leafs look like they're getting close, but we've said this before, haven't we? Over oh, the course yeah. of our lifetimes, and I remember those final fours years ago with the killer and everybody else. But this group has some talent. They've got some high price tags. They've got some some veterans who, whether or not people think work, it, this is something that, that they bring into that room that, that they didn't have, and I think it's important. And you need to find the right blend. Wayne Simmons is going to keep you honest. Joe Thornton is going to keep you accountable. Zach Bogosian, say what you want. He just won a Stanley Cup. He's going to keep it tough. He's going to be there and rugged and show, you know, just play hard. And these skilled players of today could benefit from that. doesn't matter if it's the Leafs room or any room. So I, I don't have a problem with what they did, certainly not my money. I did think, you know, I kind of agreed with Berkey when he talked about the idea of you have Spezza and Thornton, and those are two roster spots. You kind of needed one of those. Uh, I kind of agree with that. But uh, they're, they're doing what they can do. Certainly the contracts are an issue, and uh, you, you want to solidify every position. But 
I like that they added some accountability. No, definitely. And that's something I said in the off season. Like, listen, I don't know if you listen to the show. I don't know if you see anything that we post. But for me personally, and just the way that I always looked at it, I thought the Leafs needed a little bit more leadership in the room. Uh, and I think they need a little bit more oomph and grit. Like, guys that will drag you across. Like, I talked to Rod about this before the season. Now you have guys that will draw a line in the sand and then drag you over it. And that's what the Leafs didn't have. They had a Hyman and they had a Muzzin. That was it. Now you have a bunch more guys in that room that will say, hey, here's the line. Now we're going over that line and let's keep going. And I think it's benefiting guys like Matthews and Marner playing with a guy like Thornton because the next gear is there. I think the same thing with Simmons when he was playing with Willie and JT. The next gear was there. And when he got fired up and fought in the Montreal game and looked at his own bench and said, come on, let's go. Like not looking at Montreal, looking at his own bench saying, I just did this to get fired up. Let's go. That's what you need. You need guys to set the tempo, set the pace, and raise the temperature of the game for your own team. And these guys all do that. Same thing with Bogo. He may not be a guy that's out there doing flash and dash, but he's definitely that stalwart back there who's strong, who's stiff, and will make sure he stands up for a hit. So that's the guys you need. And that's what got me excited this offseason. I wanted to know what your opinion was because a lot of people looked at it and said they got slower. You know, this team's not going to be the same. They're not going to win as much in the regular season. To me, I'm like, it doesn't matter about the regular season. I want to make the dance, but then I want to keep going. I don't want to just make the playoffs anymore. This team needs to make noise, much like we talked about Calgary. you got to start making some noise. Yeah. You mentioned Bogosian. I mean, who's just won a Stanley Cup, so somebody like Mitch Marner is going to go, okay, Zach, we'll take it from here. Well, no, he's not going to. You're going to listen. You're going to sit up a little straight. You're going to. You're going to kind of dig in when a vet says we're not good enough. I'll tell you who the best player in the game is. If you know, if if we were talking about first overall picks right now, and everybody will jump and say uh, Connor McDavid, understandable. He is the most dangerous player in the game today. But if you guys at number one take Connor McDavid, I know at number two, I'm taking Nathan McKinnon. Yep. Because he's got bite. Because he's got leadership. Because when he sees something that isn't good enough. He's the standard, and nobody's going to rail against it because they can't do what he can do, and they can't uh, commit any more than what he does. And I just think that that's a complete player in today's game. Not to suggest that McDavid or Matthews, uh, you know, aren't the best or are right up in there. But for me, it's Nathan McKinnon because of that accountability, because of that will to win, the hates to lose, the give a crap meter. It's all there. And you know and, where and you got a lot I, of that from? That's what I want. <laughs> Playing around and seeing yeah, a guy but, like Sidney Crosby. You know. Yeah, and he's, but he's just got a – like I remember in the postseason a couple of years ago, Flames in Colorado in a series that only went five. And I can remember uh, talking to Jared Bednar and Nathan McKinnon about, you know, there was a moment where Nate just kind of blasted his team on a game day skate. And he was just going up and down. And nobody – could challenge him on that and I asked him what what that was about and so many times he just said I just didn't like what I saw out there we weren't we weren't uh, all in we weren't focused we weren't sharp and he let him know and that's leadership to me I know we're a pretty soft generation right now but that to me is what I want uh, in a complete hockey player and uh, and I think that you know in Toronto's case they don't have a Nate McKinnon but they've got a lot of leadership voices that you know, help those younger guys see how it should be done. And the idea that they also free up space so that those guys can play their game yep. in the Marners and the Matthews to the way, to the best of their ability. 
I think it's working. One thing for me in my life that I've always wanted and I always expect out of management or even when I'm dealing with people myself is I want accountability and I want people's feet to be held to the fire when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing because it leads to accountability and things getting done right. But I've been going on and on and on with you here, Ryan. There's another guy sitting here listening to this. He's probably having a great time. But I know, Jamie, you got some questions for Ryan about the Canadian division and about Montreal. So, Jamie, have at her, my friend. Well, one one question. In Vancouver right now, we have a couple of friends that tune into the show quite often. They're Vancouver Canucks fans. How grateful are you guys right now to have Markstrom and Tanev, the two players that were hurt and souls in Vancouver, uh, switching teams, going to Vancouver, uh, sorry, going to Calgary. And Calgary were up two nothing against the Jets. They were up two nothing last night, and they and they blew two nothing leads. Uh, is, is Vancouver right now kicking kicking themselves, letting Markstrom and uh, Tanev go? Well, they didn't really have much of a say, so they can't really okay. kick themselves. Um, that okay. that was a that was a good contract uh, for either player to sign in Calgary. And Vancouver made a lot of progress in the postseason. I thought they were just sensational to watch. Okay. And uh, you look at their core, that's a good core over there from Hughes. I mean, we can go up and down. I just think their core is is really strong. And, you know, are they kicking themselves? Well, they, they might be kicking themselves more for the, some of the contracts they have still on the books for the next year or two. But when they come off in a year or two, Look out! Uh, they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to shore up uh, a couple of key positions, but they've got a nice nucleus. And uh, sad to see him go. Yeah, but it wasn't exactly a surprise to see those two players go after the time they had there. And it's still a business. Yeah, and they're they right now they're sitting in fifth place, knocking on Montreal Canadiens' door. And Montreal's in a bit of a slide right now. I don't know if the if the week long break that they just encountered is hurting them right now and hurt uh, Julian, but. It's going to be fun to watch uh, tonight, and um, I believe Toronto and Calgary play another four times before the season's over. So, really excited for that. And uh, are you surprised at all that the, the Scotia North is the most high-scoring uh, division right now in the league? No, and you look at uh, the young players that they have. It's tough on goalies, though, isn't it, boys? Like that's a tough, yeah. <laughs> tough. Uh, well, when you got Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid and Matthews in the same division, yeah, it's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of firepower. And look down the middle of the Winnipeg Jets for quality centers. You know, look at some of the uh, Elias Pettersson in Vancouver, Brock Besser. I mean, Bo Horvath. These guys are just, these guys are rolling. Johnny Gaudreau's rolling right now. So, yeah, everywhere you look, and, and it's I think it's going to be fun to watch the Ottawa Senators for a number of years, just looking at the fun and the hard work they put in. So right now there's a lot to like about the North Division, and, you know, I just uh, the week off certainly doesn't help a team. Like Calgary went through it early, and they were rolling, and they came back, and it wasn't such a great thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, goalies got to be prepared every night because that, that Canadian division is lights out. And as far as Montreal goes, like, they got pieces there that I really like uh, a lot. Uh, you know, I I really was a big fan of Josh Anderson. I know the Flames are interested in him. Um, I think he's a good fit there. They got a great nucleus. Look at how young, uh, you know, a couple of key pieces like Kotkaniemi and Suzuki are. And then you throw in Anderson as a rugged guy. You still got Price playing a pretty good game. There's then veteran. We talked about the veterans. You get Shea Weber who keeps everybody accountable over there. Just leadership in that room. 
And, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a team that obviously uh, they add Alex Burroughs to the coaching staff. Uh, you mentioned Vancouver, so the former Canuck now is going to be behind the bench there. We'll see uh, what the Charm can do in the interim. We'll see who ends up there full time. But Montreal showed real flashes and I think was the early season surprise, which we knew somebody was going to be a surprise in this division. That was Montreal. Have they come back down to earth? We'll see. And we'll see what happens going forward. But, uh, you know, those are two good coaches that were let go by Montreal and they'll, they'll surface. And, you know, I talked to Milan Lucic about Julianne and he just said, he just lets you play your game. The only thing he asks is that you're uh, defensively aware and he just loved playing for him. They, of course, want to stay in the cup together. So, um, you know, and I know Kirk Muller is highly respected league-wide as well. Um, oh, you, just, one, just one more. Sorry, James. One more question before I throw back the games there. Um, we saw it last night, Montreal game. The I guess it was – I didn't see it. Um, but the goaltender interference call, uh, Gallagher, I believe, tipped the puck in past Murray. <laughs> They didn't believe that Murray was able to set properly. Did they got to figure this out before the playoffs? Because what, what's going to happen come playoff time when you got teams competing for the Stanley Cup and you're sitting on the phone for two to five minutes figuring figuring it out? Oh, was that a, was that a goaltender interference? And Gallagher was pretty adamant. Uh, he put, I'm not sure of the word to use here, but he was pretty pissed off where he thought Murray was able to kind of reset, um, but they talked about on TSN um, Murray wasn't able to find the puck so that, that factored into calling the goal off but what happens if you stand the cup final and it, it, you know a team scores and it could determine <clears throat> determine the, it, I, I'm just lost for words maybe you can just, uh, just I have no idea what the player talking about I apologize but certainly they want to okay. they want to hammer things out I was nowhere near television yesterday and uh, oh, okay uh, I just, uh, you know, whatever, you know, those those rules uh, have got to get ironed out. But it's one that's been lingering for a while. So it's, it's you know, the spirit of the rule, the intention. Uh, I think we kind of got to get back to that. But, uh, yeah, there's, they've, they've got to iron out. Uh, I, I think the biggest way, problem uh, on the, uh, the goaltender interference, uh, to jump in on this one, is the problem is when you have different people looking at it, it's not always the same one. So everybody's interpretation of what it is, and if you're that person who has the final call, and it's not the same person every time, you know, it's open to interpretation. So whether it's the referee or whether it's the war room, whoever's calling in the war room, it's not always the same person. So you have a different interpretation. The spirit of the rule is there, but the interpretation of how the play went is different from person to person to person, which leaves it open to, you know, you look at Toronto the other night against Montreal, the goal was called good, and then they looked at it for goaltender interference called bad. Well, how do you have two reviews on the same goal with different results? You know, And then you look at the Calgary. I think it was the Calgary game not even an hour later. I think it was. And the, the puck was pushed across the line, and it counted. It was on the goalie's pad. Then you have Joe Thornton with two goals that were disallowed for kind of the same thing, pushing the goalie's pad in. So it's got to be sorted out. But when a rule is open to interpretation, that's the, the key right there, right? It's, it's, it allows for it to be open to anyone's viewing of it and interpretation of the rule and way it goes. And that's the way it'll be forever unless they streamline and say, this is black and white what it is. But Gallagher did say they showed videos before the season started. This is a good goal. This is a bad goal. And he said, you know, based on what he was able to see, it was a good goal from the stuff that they were showing would be allowed and opposed to the things wouldn't be allowed. But, you know, it's going to happen. And it's the same thing with, uh, 
you know, with penalties and referees, you know, they don't see it. The game is fast and they call a penalty when sometimes it's not. And sometimes they call a penalty and, you know, it's it should be more. It's, it's always open to interpretation for rules. And that's the problem. Yeah, I, yeah I, I think this has been going on a long time. It'll continue. But, uh, yeah, we, we probably won't solve it here today. No, we won't. But that's the good thing about having a podcast. We can have you back on when we have better, more concrete answers, and we can present our case. And maybe Ryan, you'll be the one to sort it out for us. But I want to thank oh, you very. Yeah. No, no, nobody's <laughs> coming to me for an explanation of rules. Listen, I, uh... you never know. You might be up in Berkey spot one day, right? So. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's great. I'm happy to see him go to Pittsburgh. What an absolute gem. And uh, he's fun to work with. I got to work with him in Calgary and got to know him pretty well. And, uh, yeah, just one of the great personalities of the game. Uh, like Jeff Merrick says, hockey's better with Brian Burke in it, so it's good to have him back at the helm of a team. But, Ryan, I know it is game day. Like you said, you don't have much to get prepared for, but you do want to check out the team, so I want to let you go. But thank you very much yeah. for, for swinging on by, and we hope to have you back on, maybe when you're out here in the Maritimes when this COVID stuff calms down. I'll meet you at the Split Crow, or maybe the Lower Deck. Let's do it. We'll do it right on the street, and everybody can join in. <laughs> All right, sir. Oh, well, well, that, I should put a little uh, shameless plug in. Go see my buddy, uh, my buddy's restaurant, the Split Crow. Or, no, it's not Split Crow. Sorry. Wow. Station Six, Gord Dickey's uh, restaurant, Station Six. Get there, great wings. I will make sure to tag like him in it. this, but yeah, get down to Station 6 if you're out here in the Maritimes, and be sure to check out Ryan Leslie covering the Calgary Flames for Sportsnet, Thanks, who unfortunately will lose to the Maple Leafs tonight. Had to get it in there. <laughs> and, the next, and the next four, and the next four games. <laughs> Enjoy thank it, you, boys. Thanks, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you very no much. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Ryan Leslie on Offside Hockey Talk. Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk.